Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, you know, we are uh, pumped full of mostly football conversation, yeah. Jonathan. Off Ventline yesterday, Ship Scoggins is going to join us here in studio on this Black Friday. And no, this is not a recording. It's also not a best of. Mm-hmm. We're going to give you our best, but we are live we and are. local, baby. <laughs> We're really good today. We're live and local this morning. So, uh, yeah, let's just roll into the opening bell. And and uh, Mike Morris may or may not join us, too. He's going to be uh, pretty much on the air all afternoon. So it depends on when he gets done digesting his food from yesterday. But Vikings win. Vent lines open all show. 651-646-8255. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Stop the clock. Air is pressure on Keenum. And a touchdown for Rudolph. What a throw by Keenum under heavy pressure. And Kyle Rudolph has got his second of the game. Case is playing outstanding. Um, you know, he's he's a great competitor. Um, studies his rear end off. Um, works extremely hard. Um, you know, I think... And, and, and today, you know, he seemed like he was more settled. Before we talk about the Vikings quarterback situation and how Phil Mackey, that it's clearing itself up very, very quickly, I want to get to this. The Vikings win yesterday. It was a second half in which they nearly came unglued. There were flaws, but let me, as somebody who's ordinarily critical, let me bring some sunshine to the conversation. Wow. If you surprise on this Black Friday. If a week ago, Sunday morning, you had sat down and said, give me the best case. No pun intended once again, but give me the best thing that could happen to this team pre-Rams game and then pre-playing in Detroit. You would have said this. You went and played the Rams. Both teams at that point were 7-2. and two. That was your style points game. You looked very impressive. You came out, and at least for a good portion of that game, you dominated a very good team, and you, and you went from being, I think this team is good, to no, this team is good. Then you came back on Thursday. Thursday, Thanksgiving Day football used to be great because it was our one day non-Sunday, basically, to see football. And we all said, we don't care how bad the games are. It's just fun to watch Thanksgiving Day football. novelty. You get Thursday football, yeah. Well, now we know that for the most part, Thursday football is crapola. And you had three games yesterday. The Vikings-Detroit game was probably the best, but you had three very questionable games. The fact that you left Detroit having won both those games, so you beat the Rams and beat Detroit, and the fact that you are now 9-2, and two, I don't care how you won. I don't care who played well. I don't care who was healthy, who was hurt, all of those things. 
I do not give a damn. All I care about is that you went into Detroit. If you're the Vikings and you won that game, how you did it to me is a complete non-starter. Uh, I, I agree. I mean, it's sometimes, and, and we do this for an hour or two hours every week on Ventline, right? When the game is over, we we nitpick the gap between what happened and what happened might have been a really high bar being set and perfection, right? If it's, if it's not perfect, we tend to nitpick. Uh, in fact, we're, we have a segment. We're going to do it today. Our pet peeves after each Vikings game. Even even though, they, like you said, they've put together some really, really nice football the last two months. Uh, there's always things to nitpick. But I'm with you. Nothing's ever perfect in the NFL. Thursday football is even less than that. Yeah. And just to get out with a win and to not have blown that lead at the end, you can evaluate if you want. I think get out with the W. And here's some more good news. You're chasing the Philadelphia Eagles for the number one overall seed in the NFC. You're looking for home field advantage, not just through the NFC playoffs, but through the entire playoffs because you get a home Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. That's becoming an actual conversation now. Mm -hmm. The Eagles have a tougher schedule the rest of the way than the Vikings. The Eagles, so they get the Bears at home this weekend. They're going to win that game. They're double-digit favorites. They're going to beat the Bears. The Eagles go at Seattle on Sunday, December 3rd. Now, that's not the same Seattle team, super banged up defensively, but Russell Wilson is an MVP candidate. That's a really tough road environment. So Eagles go at Seattle, and then they go at the Los Angeles Rams on December 10th. And then, much like the Vikings, their final three games, they're going to be favored in. But the Vikings have a cakewalk to end their year in football terms. You Mm -hmm. still have to throttle down. You still have to win the games and play. Mm -hmm. Home against a banged up and also checked out Cincinnati Bengals team for the Vikings. Uh, Then they get Bears and Packers, probably Packers without Aaron Rodgers, depending on how things shake out. Mm Mm-hmm. The Philadelphia Eagles still have to play at the New York Giants. It's a division game. It's, it's on the road. I know the Giants have been a dumpster fire, but, uh, you know, Eli Manning, It's 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 they should win the game, but you never know. Then they get home against Oakland on national TV. Could Oakland be fighting for a weak division at that point, still in Week 16, where the, now the Chargers are back in that division at 5-6 and because the Chiefs are uh, losing week after week? And then Dallas in Week 17. And Zeke Elliott's going to be back for that game, right? Yes, he should uh, be. Suspended yes. for 16. Yep, so, so yep. the Eagles have a tougher schedule. They're one game up, but the yes. Vikings have a path if they can if they can win even just one of the next two games on the road yep. to maybe grab home field advantage in the NFC. And the importance of this path is very very simple. Go back to 2009. The Vikings went into the last 3 games which were at Carolina, at Chicago, home to the Giants. They lost at Carolina badly. They lost in OT, I believe, to the Bears. The point being is, yes, the Vikings' primary focus right now should be very simply on making sure they do not have to go on the road in in the potential title game. Because if they do, it's going to be incredibly difficult. If you can put the NFC title game in downtown here, though, and play that game here, it changes the entire scope. And if you could go back and play that 2009 game again, and it's the Saints here instead of there... It makes a world of difference. Yeah, and they and they dominated the Saints in that game. And who knows, you know, what would the officials have have thrown it an extra makes, fifteen yard penalty if the crowd gets on? It makes a you know. world of difference. Yes, ding, definitely. Ding. Case is playing outstanding. Um, you know, he's he's a great competitor. Um, studies his rear end off. Um, works extremely hard. Um, you know, I think, and 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 today, you know, he seemed like he was more 
settled. So I'm going to declare this right now. Or we've had so much conversation the last two or three weeks about Bridgewater's back on the active roster. He's active on game days. You know, when... You know, when does it make sense to put Teddy in? Who has the higher upside? Who helps you win a Super Bowl if they reach their ceiling? I'm declaring it officially. Let's put the conversation to bed. Your season now officially rides or dies with Case Keenum. If you were expecting Case Keenum's carriage to turn back into a pumpkin, it hasn't happened yet. We're into December starting next week. Mm -hmm. He's been really, really good and getting better the last couple weeks. If you were hoping Teddy would enter a game and start knocking off the rust and maybe ramp up to his ceiling with this Ferrari that the Vikings are driving right now, he hasn't yet. And if you think Teddy has the higher upside, which I do long term and he might long term, Mm -hmm. it's now too late in the season. Once we get into the last four games, five games, December football, it's too late in the season for Teddy to ramp up and get anywhere near whatever his potential may be after not playing for two years. So you're riding or dying with Case Keenum, and who knows what happens in the end in in January or February, but we can put the conversation to bed unless there's an injury of some kind. And the But the reason why is this, and, and I feel like the Keenum, the pro Keenum folks have come back now and said, well, you see, he's playing great. You know what? The last two games he's played fantastic. If you remember, though, this conversation was spurred on by the fact that Keenum in the first half against Baltimore and Cleveland did not play well. And against Washington, while his uh, stats were impressive, he threw two bad second-half picks. That was a three-game stretch that made the head coach of the Vikings and a lot of people say, whoa, hold on a second here. Wait, 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 wait. Can we improve on this? The last two games, Keenum has given you no relevant reason to think about a change. He has... He might have thrown a pass or two that you think to yourself, that's not great, but that is not a compelling case to make a change. So I think in fairness, the conversation going back two weeks made some sense. The last two games, he has played fantastic. So so this isn't uh this isn't that I am suddenly pro case and I'm turning on Teddy. This is very much the last couple of games we have seen enough from Case to say all right, there is no way on God's green earth that you are going to make a change given how he played against the Rams and then Detroit. Yeah, he, that throw he made to Kyle Rudolph yesterday, fantastic. a drop in the bucket, you know, how 30 yards in the air. Uh, there's a phrase that they use in poker called pot committed where there's just too much money in the pot. You're not quite sure if you have the best hand or not, but my God, there's too much money in the pot. I've already gone too far into this hand, and we just have to get to the end and turn the cards over. And that's the point the Vikings are at with Case Keenum right now. You just have to turn them over. That being said, if I am the coordinator of a of a NFC team that has a good defense, I'm watching that game against Detroit, and I'm saying... There are a lot of things that you can do if you have a good defense to slow that attack, which then comes back to the interesting point of this is the first time in a long, long time, though, that even if the Vikings offense gets slowed, you're relying on the defense. The the thing that makes this conversation different from 98 and 09 and a lot of years is no matter what happens to this offense, as long as it plays pretty well, the defense is going to be the one to ultimately win your football games. Yeah, and they, it, was, it got a little weird there in the second half, and you had basically one day of... Uh, did they even practice this they pra- week? They had a light practice on Tuesday. They yeah. didn't practice Monday, and they flew out Wednesday. It yeah. doesn't. It you won the game. As far as evaluating what happened, it's. I wouldn't yeah, even I mean, watch this film. Much. Although Case Keenum's first half, that might have been. He said he said like two or three eye popping great halves. Uh, maybe one total good game. 
that you can point to, or he's you know, like the 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 London game. He was terrible in the first half, yeah. and then there was uh, the Washington game. He was terrible in the second half, but he was amazing in the first half. The first half yesterday might have been his best half we've seen yep. this season. So was, I actually, really as far as the Case Keenum book that's being written. I have a great comparison for you guys that might even be able to bridge, no pun intended, the pro-Teddy and the pro-Case crowds together. And I want to run that by you and Chip Scoggins when we come back here. Chip from the start. We're already getting people on Twitter wondering Chip's thoughts on the old volunteers coaching search, too. Well, Chip's ma- so. made it very clear. Vols vent line. 651-646-8255. aren't going to college, and all that money's going towards the John Gruden Fund. He's made it very clear what he's going to do. Uh, was okay. he in that restaurant or not? No, he was a 1,000 miles away. Uh, so, Chip, we're talking mostly Vikings. We are live from 9 o'clock until 1 o'clock. We're live all day long in the afternoon, I should say, as well. Are we Are we best of... No, Hauser's into. So we're live all day on 1500 ESPN on this Black Friday. Hope you guys had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Mackie and Judd back with more Vikings. And the vet lines can be open. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Stop the clock. Here is pressure on Keenum. And a touchdown for Got his second of the game. Yeah, Chip Scoggins hanging out with us from the Star Tribune and StarTribune.com. What up, Chip? Hey, boys. Did happy you, Thanksgiving. Did you happy get all fat and happy yesterday <laughs> off turkey and stuffing? I, I, was, I think the word is fatter. <laughs> Join the club. I'll, do you, though, Chip, Chip or not, not see my point now, though? Thanksgiving Day football used to be so great because you'd be like, I, you know, on Thursday you get these double headers and it's great and then blah, blah, blah. And now we're so used to th- Thursday football not being good. The last two games last night were unwatchable. Yeah, I did. Dallas, San those. Diego. Yeah. And and the Giants and Redskins was unwatchable. Football. I had it, I had it on in the background. I wasn't really watching as you know hanging out with the family. But um, yeah, I still Thanksgiving football still I, to me is sort of special. And maybe it's just because I'm sitting on a couch and, and around, I and around family, and you're gonna have a big meal. So I, I still look at it as special, even if it's a bad. Game. I was it's always I a tradition to, be, to nap through the second and third yeah, games, right? Yeah. It's, it's great. <laughs> I I honest to God watched three quarters of the night game. Because it was a train wreck game. It was so ba- it was so bad. It became compelling yeah. to see how inept those two teams. I think could I watched be. Christmas Vacation. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always looking for a James Bond marathon yeah, on right. Thanksgiving. Yeah. So um, we're getting we're getting a bunch of calls here. We will open up the vent lines just intermittently throughout the show. So if you want to write the number down, if you're out doing some Black Friday shopping or sitting at home shopping online or just digesting food from yesterday, we are live today until. 1 o'clock, and then we're live all afternoon on 1590 ESPN, 651-646-8255. We'll get to Chansey and Jimmy and Larry uh, and Mo and Curly and everybody else in just a second here. But here is my Case Keenum comparison for you guys, and I hope this helps bridge the Case Keenum backers and the Teddy backers all as one. And we've we've brought this guy's name up before, but I want to add some context. What Case Keenum is doing this year is what Brian Hoyer did in 2015 with the Texans, which is get into a really good infrastructure as a career backup at age 29 or 30 and take advantage of the circumstances and thrive. So it's part circumstances, but it's part you elevating to to, to match up with a great defense and skill position player. So career backups around age 30, both undrafted, neither highly touted as NFL quarterbacks, uh, both having incredibly great regular seasons with multiple two and three touchdown games, taking advantage of wide receiver weapons, DeAndre Hopkins in 2015 for Brian Hoyer. In this case, 
Thielen and Diggs. Uh, great offensive lines. Stars all over the defense. The Vikings just have to hope that this postseason turns out differently for Case Keenum than it did for Brian Hoyer. The books are now, and I would even argue that Keenum's 2017 is a tick better than Brian Hoyer's 2015. So there's some optimism there. But that's what it is right now. Can Keenum write the final chapters differently going forward than Brian Hoyer did when he blew up for four picks against the well-coached Andy Reid Chiefs in the first round of the playoffs? Yeah, I mean, I understand. Comparison makes complete sense. Um, I do think in Keenum's case, the the infrastructure is um, set up for him to succeed. Offensive line is one of the best offensive lines, uh, pass protection and run blocking this year. Yes, you got probably the best wide receiver tandem in the NFL. Certainly, you can make that argument. Um, tied in that you rely on, and an offense coordinator that's just. Is is calling just everything seems like right right now. And you just hit the most important thing to me. The most important, if you were to go back and say, okay, let's actually break down and get to the root of the success of this offense, which a year ago was scattered and had all types of problems. The most important thing to me is Pat Shermer. Mm-hmm. Pat uh, Pat Shermer is orca- Case is, and he's been great. This is not a put down. Case Keenum is the puppet. And Pat Shermer is pulling the strings, and he's doing fantastic. Look at the play calls. Yeah, look at this goes back to why for so long coordinators Chipper drove me crazy mm-hmm. because it, it's not that I think I could call plays, but you know really good play calls when you see them. Pat Shermer has done a magnificent job of almost every time putting Case Keenum in a position to do what he can do well. Yeah, he doesn't try and force things. He doesn't, and and good for Case for doing it. This is not a put down of him, yeah. but I think I think the biggest thing that we we miss in these discussions is the phenomenal job that that Shermer has done from a play calling standpoint to actually a coaching standpoint of taking that personnel and cooking up a meal that always is good. Yeah, and uh, they're they they fit right now. They're both on a, on a, the same page. They're locked in. But I would also say the thing that's really I think impressed me. The most about Keenum that I didn't know about him was uh, his scrambling ability, his pocket awareness, yes. his ability to to make uh, turn busted plays uh, into big gains. There was, you know, we saw the one last week where he dodges two sacks and he finds Thielen. He had another one yesterday in the second half where it was a third down and things were starting to get a little hairy for him. And he he eludes a guy comes the the. the Pass rusher has a free run at him. Yeah. And he's he's steps to his left, he makes a miss, and then he comes back and he hits a third down. I think it was the Thielen or Diggs. I can't Sam remember. Bradford takes that sack. Oh, without doubt. And, and Sam Bradford, I think, at full strength, is a better quarterback and more accurate and all those things you saw it in week one. But Sam Bradford takes that sack. Yeah. I remember that play. But that moved the chain. And so those are the kind of plays that you're getting from Keenan. And obviously he's playing with a ton of confidence now, right now. And whether you want to call it horseshoe, what what Zimmer did or whatever, he's just he looks like a guy who's in complete control. And, um, you know, you go back to play call. What was the the long um, – was it Diggs that had the long catch and screen where yes. Eason comes out and has yeah. that great block? Yep. I mean, your offensive linemen, they're making those blocks, and it's just – And Pat Elfline ran stride for stride, stride for like 40 <laughs> yards. Tells you how good that guy is. <laughs> yes. um, so I think it's just all kind of fitting right now. And, um, yeah, P- Keenan is sort of a – Puppet, he's running this offense the way they want it, but but I'm not saying that in a bad no, way. No, not in a bad way. No, no, no. I'm he, not trying not to criticize. Him. No, but he's just um, 
He's locked in, and and what he's doing with his feet and mobility is pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we actually have full phone lines right now. Vikings vet line was super fun yesterday. It was probably limited phone calls compared to the usual volume because people were hanging out with family and stuff. But uh, we can uh, we can give you guys your second chance today. We're live on Mackie and Judd until one o'clock. What's up, Chancy and Fargo? Hey guys, thank you very much for uh, being live today. Uh, much more interesting to listen to a live broadcast after a big game than uh, a replay of best of, like you've been saying. So I appreciate you being for sure, in the man. office. Thanks for calling. Yeah. Uh, Phil, I, give me a second here just to t- take this down for you a little bit on the quarterback deal. I know you've changed your opinion a little bit now saying, okay, Keenum's the guy we're riding the rest of the season, uh, but you continue to say you think that Bridgewater's the better long-term prospect. And uh, I know you. one of the things – I'm very loyal listeners, so I'm basing this off of several weeks listening to you guys on the radio, months probably. Uh, when we talk about the Ferrari, first off, Keenum, uh, he's playing with a Ferrari, yeah, Thielen, Ferrari, Diggs, maybe Maserati. But I'm not sure that we can say McKinnon and uh, McKinnon and the running back situation without Dalvin Cook as a Ferrari. Uh, so I, I do think with, if Dalvin Cook was in there, we're talking Ferrari. But when we when you base that argument and say the play calling's better, the offensive line's better, that's not fair to Keenum because we're not looking at what he was doing with Houston and the Rams. I don't know what their offensive line situation was like, what weapons he had. So whenever people say, well, Bridgewater could do better in this system. Who knows that Keenum wouldn't have been doing better in the systems he was in before. The age difference, 25 to 29, to me that's minuscule. I, I don't think I would make a decision on four years. 29 is still young for an NFL starting quarterback. And The one thing I like about Keenum the best is that both him and Bridgewater are fairly mobile. But when Bridgewater scrambles, a lot of times he scrambles, gets out of trouble, and throws the ball away, where Keenum scrambles and looks to make a play downfield. And I think that that's the difference between an elite NFL quarterback and uh, an average one. Yeah, so, I think I, w- I would say this, Chancey. Thank you for calling, and we're happy to be live today until one o'clock. Uh, and it's it's uh, fun to take calls here on this Black Friday. I would say it's worth noting when you're try if you if you had to put your chips, you know, if if the ga- if we were talking more long term, and the conversation is more about this year because this team has a chance to win a Super Bowl. So for for this year, Case Keenum, like uh, I'm declaring it. Forget about Teddy at this point. It's Case Keenum. Long term, it's worth noting in recent NFL history, maybe going back the last 20 years, there's only about two undrafted guys who became franchise quarterbacks. Tony Romo and maybe Jeff Garcia for like three or four years. I If, if somebody can come up with another undrafted guy who became a franchise quarterback in the last 20 years or so, maybe I'm missing one of them. And so if we're talking how confident are you someone's going to offer him a bunch of money and like three years guaranteed. How confident are you that you want to put that money in? That's a, that's a conversation for two months from now. I'm not, I'm not there yet. And I think that's fine. I don't think you have to apologize for not being there yet. Bridgewater was a first round pick. Bridgewater hasn't had a chance to play with Adam Thielen, with this offensive line, with this defense, with Pat Shermer. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, to me, you just let this thing play out with case and just see what happens in the year. And then you make a, you don't make that decision right now, obviously. No. I mean, and you, that's, don't that's some, you don't need to. You don't need I mean, to come close to that. That's something for a couple of months down the line. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy and Phoenix, what's going on? You're on Mackie and Judd. Hey, man, I'm going to contradict myself a little bit. I mean, one thing in Case's favor is he was with Jeff Fisher. All right. I mean, he's a quarterback train wreck. He is. That's <laughs> yes. true. Absolutely true. That's true. And I checked yeah. out Coach last year. But, but the other thing I'm waiting for Case to see him do is can Case win us a game? Yesterday, we needed a touchdown to put them away. We ended up getting a field goal, I think. But we needed that touchdown, and we didn't get it. I want to see 
I'll jump on the case bandwagon when I see him win us a game. I haven't seen that yet. He's done great, and he deserves to be the quarterback. But let's see what happens there. But my real call is, I understand the Vikings are looking at Mike Nugent from a kicking standpoint. Um, they're going to try him out is what I've heard. And uh, what, what's your guys' view on the whole kicking situation? I think that's the biggest weakness we have right now. I haven't heard that. Uh, yeah. Breaking news. Uh, I'll see if that was reported somewhere. Yeah. Um, you know, on Keenum, I would say he is winning games. Look at that throw he made to to uh, to uh, Kyle Rudolph. That's a winning play. I mean, it, yes. it's not all, um, you know, a last drive type thing. And and he may have to do that. And can he do it? We'll see. But uh, the first and second quarters matter too in terms of winning and, and what you're doing there. And I, I'll go back to this. And I don't want to get too far in the weeds on the officiating because I hate that. But uh, that non call on Diggs really changed that game. I thought. Or, if yes. you if you get that that game looks completely different. Yes. If, if they call that pass interference, I think that game is a blowout. The other the other thing to keep in mind though is and and I don't blame folks for this, but we get very hung up on conversations when when the Vikings are good that revolve around offense and quarterback play because we're used to the defense just being okay. Mm-hmm. This team is going to win games in the playoffs based on defense. What you need is your offense to be efficient and operate without making mistakes. But if you if you get into a game that turns into a you know God forsaken forty eight to forty three game, then things have gone completely sideways. Yeah. So so the way this conversation needs to work, I think, is this: Do you have a quarterback who can manage and and can do enough? to not train wreck you and help you win a game. But ultimately, playoff games are going to be won by your defense. Correct. And and if you say to Case, Case, we need you to go out there today and win this game, you got problems. Yeah, I mean, it's, yes. And that's not a put down to Case Keenum. And, and that's and that's the thing. Like, the, the New Orleans Saints are going to ask Drew Brees at some point to win them. We need you to score 30 today. Uh, and to your point, Judd, if you're going to Case Keenum saying, hey, we're going to Philadelphia, we need you to put up 30 points in Philadelphia yeah. or we're screwed. <laughs> then you're, you're probably in trouble. Yeah. Uh, Larry, what's going on? You're on a live Mackie and Judge show on this Black Friday. Uh, first off, I do want to thank you, Jess, for making it a live M&J show. Um, those of us stuck working today appreciate it. And to just last point, if you do get into a 48-43 to 43 game or whatever, uh, I've been a Vikings fan for many, many years, and it would be so typical of this town to ignore something like that ignore the defensive part of it and to and to put all the blame on the quarterback in a game if it comes down to that. And and Chip also made a good point earlier, uh, and I totally get the Boyer comparison, but uh, Keenum has shown more pocket presence than any of us thought, and that pass that he dropped into Kyle Rudolph while taking a lick, that, that was as good as it gets. And as far as pocket goes, I'll tell you what, Mr. Rockstop, you're at a pop-star at Doxville right now. You better fight your own. Watch your own bobber, pal. <laughs> Larry and Woodbury. <laughs> I love a call from Woodbury. We can keep the lines open. We're having fun. 651-646-8255-877-615-1500. Chip Scoggins. People are asking more about the officiating. And uh, Did you ever find out? So Mike Nugent's been kicking in place of Dan Bailey, I have not right? found a thing about in that. In Dallas. Yeah. Here, here's the th- Let's come back and talk more about that. Uh, One of the missed kicks was definitely 90% a bad hold, but 
if you're looking at things that might be a problem in a playoff game, yeah, uh, we're definitely used to that kicking thing here as Vikings fans and followers. Mackie and Judd live on a Black Friday. Yeah, well, you know, we almost lost our composure a couple times. Um, you know, we, we study each crew, you know, going into the game. Um, you know, I told them that this it could be like this today. Um, you know, they got to play clean, smart football. And, uh, you know, uh, I shouldn't say anything else. Mike, Mike are you okay, Mike? <laughs> shouldn't say anything else. You can see the, the fine go through his head. And you can hear the like the <laughs> NFL the NFL cranking the fans up yeah. in the background to make it so. I want, I want a Thanksgiving Day present today from Goodell and the boys. I want them to call Tony Carranti and that yeah. crew and fire them all. That's the most inept from the replay, from the almost missed, and I don't know how you do that, uh, touchdown that was not, that took forever to actually go back and look at. Yeah. Every, that game yesterday, and this is becoming, and I blame the officials, but I also blame the league because of the size of the rule book. Uh, you had 13 accepted penalties in the first half yesterday of, of an already questionably played game, which you, by yeah. the way, know is going to be questionable because you're forcing people four days after they played to come back. Yeah, there was so, but that refereeing yesterday was abysmal. So, and I ordinarily I hate it when fans and media overreact to officiating because like, oh, I they're guess. screwing our team, and it's it's always an overreaction. Yesterday it wasn't. No, no. In fact, the 13 accepted penalties in the first half, and then in the third quarter. To not flag on the on the, the Diggs Stephon Diggs yeah. pass interference. What are you watching? I know. Well, the guy, and I, I agree with you. I like I ninety nine point nine percent of the time I just ignore when people complain about fishing because it's it doesn't matter. There's nothing to do. It's kind of a loser's lament. But the guy doesn't turn around and barrels into the guy receiver. Yes. I mean, that's like and at least two guys were watching that play well, in in zebra shirts, right? Well, at had, least two. Yeah, that one. The Keenum taunting was ridiculous. Oh, can we I mean, can we talk about that for a second? And so that just for for an official to stare at that and call it period is ridiculous. But then let's bring it out to the NFL in general. Here's the NFL for you: in the end zone after scoring a touchdown, you can have eleven players on offense do a forty second collaboration group celebration where they act out a Thanksgiving dinner, right? And that's not taunting, nor yeah. should it be, by the way. But if you casually toss the football in the general direction of an opposing player, well, 15 yards. Did you, I don't even know, but then the guy yourself. who sacked him started rolling in and acting like a turkey. But that's not taunting, but right. throwing the football but, is. <laughs> but he was crawling, he was doing the old crawling on the turf thing, yeah. and they didn't. Here, Here's where I think officials can be completely destroyed. When both sides think they suck, yeah. No, like, like yeah. if you're a Viking fan and you've had had a, a bunch of bad calls, I hesitate to say too much because then it's like sour grapes yeah. and just go away. But when if you're a Lions fan or you're a Vikings fan this morning, you can say you were you were awful. Yeah, and so it was, the, both sides. Judd, it was like game management too. Like the one where um, I, who I can't remember who it was fumbled, but he fell down, he hits the turf, and then it pops up and Thielen catches it and runs it in. You know, the, uh, McKinnon. McKinnon yeah. is like, how did you not see that he was on the ground when that ball? I mean, that one's first glance. You're yeah. like, what are we doing? Yes, it was. It was so bad. At one point, I think Mike Pereira made reference at one point to, yeah, Carrente is one of my good buddies, but and then he just starts <laughs> ripping him to shreds. He was in his wedding, the yeah. oh, and, and, and they showed the picture. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's no longer. He's cutting out the picture. <laughs> but there were there were so, so many associated with this guy. And here's my problem though. 
all right, you're already giving me a product that's not great, and now your officiating's that bad? And 13, and, and the Rams game, Chipper was the same way. Do you really, I mean, you can call, if you want, you can call a penalty on every play. I mean, you can call holding. There's something that transpired. Do you really want to do that? Because that's what I they, that the path they went down in the first half with 13 accepted penalties was to basically bring the game to a complete halt. And that's what we, I was, we were talking to my family, and I was like, what do you think the percentage is on uh, kick returns, punt returns? Of a flag being thrown, you think it's fifty percent? It felt like it yesterday, like watching all those games. Yeah, and and that's the thing. Like Judd's saying, you could, you almost have to draw a line where, okay, offensive linemen are going to grab jerseys. They're gonna they're gonna get up inside. They're gonna grab jerseys. If it if it gets to the point where clearly a defender is being prevented from pressuring or sacking, okay, yeah. that's okay. It's holding. But it's away from the play. I'm not calling it. Exactly. And that officiating crew yesterday was just on autopilot. <laughs> Everything. Ah, penalty. Penalty. So, yeah, it was annoying. But how how on earth, if the Lions had snapped that ball quicker after the Fells touchdown catch, that's yeah. a touchdown. Yeah. How does that happen? That's a yeah. must review. That, that's a, that is a play that you look at. And immediately have to say no, 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 no. That's the thing. It's a scoring play. It has to be. That's a must review. So it was reviewed. I saw there's a pro football uh, talk article came out this morning. I just just glanced at it. Apparently, it was reviewed, and they screwed up the review the first time around. And I don't know what prompted them to then get in there a second time before the ball was snapped. So the the review official got the wrong thing. They looked. The review official got it wrong the first time, I guess. And then somehow they they went back a second time. Well, if you watched, if you watched it on one camera angle, you could, there was one camera angle where, oh, it looks like a catch, I guess. That was amazing. But that's not your job as the guy in the (laughs) booth. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 651-646-8255. What's up, Dennis? Hey, guys. Good morning to you and happy post-Thanksgiving. Happy Black Friday to you. Yes. Yes, yes. Um, kind of to just dovetail uh, Mackey off of your uh, Brian Hoyer comparison. I've got one that not everybody may remember, but back in uh, Denny's, uh, Denny Green's early days, if you remember uh, a guy by the name of Rich Gannon who couldn't beat out uh, Sean Bleepin' Salisbury a couple of those years. <laughs> and then he leaves here, and he had a pretty nice career with uh, with the Oakland Raiders. I, I think they you know, maybe and he might have been a little bit further on his career than uh, what Keenum is right now. But if I'm not mistaken, I think he led them to, I think, one Super Bowl with Oakland and maybe should have had another if it wasn't for that uh, ridiculous tuck rule with yeah. uh, with Brady. MVP. And so what do you think of that comparison? I think, uh, you know, I think he had a pretty good career, and uh, maybe, maybe he's figured it out now. He's matured enough to... He can be a starter in this league. Gannon was undrafted too, right? No, uh, he was drafted by the Patriots, who immediately wanted to convert him to a running back, I believe. He said no, so he was oh. traded here. And uh, uh, Kurt, Delaware. War- Kurt Warner was undrafted. Yeah. Some people are emailing in. Yeah. Uh, well, it's yeah, Dennis. It's a uh, it's it's com- it's comparable in that Rich Gannon for a long time, and he was in his mid thirties when he went to Oakland and and then broke out and led the league he, MVP award. Uh, but you know, obviously, you could sit here and find fifty other guys for every Rich Gannon that got in, were good for like two months, well, and then were just a backup. Ryan Fitzpatrick and Brian Hoyer. And- there's two conversations here too, which which is is the one is Keenum is playing extremely well right now, and so you're going to continue to play him. The other conversation, which is going to come eventually, is is this for real, and is is this worth a a multi year investment? That's a completely yeah. different conversation. I don't know where I stand on that one, but that's the one where if you say yes, he's your guy. Mm-hmm. Teddy's probably gone and it, he's your guy. What's unfortunate, too, and I mean, these are 
these are these contract extension discussions are for after the season. Yeah. Uh, but just to humor it real quick, it's unfortunate that in the NFL, the economics are set up for quarterbacks. That's just it's an all or nothing. You're either going to make fifteen to twenty million dollars a year or more because you're the franchise starting quarterback, or you're going to be on a rookie deal or a backup deal. And Case Keenum, because of this performance, is going to cost either the Vikings or somebody. 15 plus million dollars. Mike Glennon made like 15 uh-huh. million dollars and is now holding a clipboard for Mitch Trubisky. So if you want to find out long term on Case Keenum, whether you're the Vikings or somebody else, starting next year, it's going to cost you. Yeah. Just to, just to find out. And that's, I mean, obviously because that, that position is so important. And it's, um, I mean, how many, it'd be fun to go back through history, all the big contracts guys got that you had buyer's remorse later. And I'm not saying that would be that case with Keenum, but. Um, it's just, <laughs> but it might be, you're not wrong. Though. Yeah. That's it's just, point. it's, it's, that is going to be a fast and, and, and obviously what happens the next month and a half, two months is going to dictate, you know, how those conversations and, and those decisions go. But, um, it'll be fascinating to see if, if they get on long playoff run and he's still playing at a high level. How Rick and uh, Spielman and Zimmer handle that situation. Well, yeah. the two things to me are, are what happens with case and Shermer. Because, yeah, I, because it's possible they could, Shermer, go, they could go somewhere together. If they make a Super Bowl run here, he's gone. I, I would think. be, I will be, even if they don't. Yeah, no, I think I will be right. surprised if he does not get at least some interviews for head coaching jobs because Chicago to me would be perfect. Yeah, yeah, go Trubisky, work with Mitch Trubisky in the division. Bring bring the secrets that you found out from the Vikings. There's a there's a compelling case if you if you're the Bears to go get Shermer and say. It's yeah. your, it's your yeah. show. Yeah. And by the way, if you, if you want to tell us what the Vikings do on defense, <laughs> we'll sit down and listen to that as well. Yeah. Uh, but for right now, Vikings have a three-game lead in the division and a four games up on the Packers, which it's, you know, if, if they win a couple games and get Aaron Rodgers back, you've built enough of a cushion to where that's not really going to be an issue for you now. And uh, they're sitting just one game behind the Philadelphia Eagles, or a half game, I guess, until the Eagles play the Bears this weekend. Scoggins hanging out with us. Write that down. Predictions in 15 minutes from now. And we can keep the vent lines open for the majority of the show. If you want to call in, didn't get a chance to yesterday because you're hanging out with family. 651-646-8255. How about a little uh, turkey recap before we turkey of the year recap? Let's do it. Before we get Chip out of here and get to our write that down predictions. It's Mackie and Judd on the Black Friday. (laughs) Mackie and Judd on a Black Friday. Hanging out with our buddy Chip Scoggins. That's right. We are live. And best of. We're live and best of right now. This is the best of. You're getting it right now. We're live as can be. Um, We're going to have a write that down predictions and an accountability session at 10 o'clock here in just about 10 minutes. Uh, Man, can we just give a... uh, Patrick Ricey. That That was was a great turkey of the year. We hit on about 400 different possibilities in our pregame preview show last week. Yeah. And the most popular... Guests from listeners and social media followers was PJ Fleck or 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 uh, Mark Coyle. I would say the next most popular guess was the correct guess. Spoiler alert: Turn down your radios if you haven't read the column yeah. yet. That he would pick himself, but he didn't. Really? Like People... he he basically. Which I said no way. Yeah, I didn't. But the genius is he basically named Sid Hartman Turkey <laughs> of the Year yeah. without officially Do you naming know what this him was, Turkey boys? of the Year. Yeah, this was um, this was Eastwood. Newman, pick anyone, pick anyone who had that great last film. Yeah, that column was yeah. it. Well, that's, that's it was spectacular. That's my biggest fear, though. It 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 definitely felt like a ride into the sunset column, turkey column, and I hope it's not. But it, it might have been in his mind. But you know, something will happen this year. Ah, 
I got one more. Well, yeah, he's been enough turkeys. He's threatened to quit like eighteen yeah. times. He's Ryder the, he's the Brett Favre, right? So it'll be for another. It'll be for the athletic <laughs> next year, right? That's right. But but <laughs> where pay for it? <laughs> I I said at the end of of Wednesday's show that there's no way he picks himself because he hates to make things about him. What I didn't foresee coming was the genius of how yeah. he got there. Yeah, it was yeah. the and, and he writes it in the third person, so it was about the yeah. chairman. But I, there are four components to that Turkey of the Year column that I absolutely love. Number one was, like I said, he basically named Sid Hartman the Turkey <laughs> of the Year Lifetime Achievement without actually yeah, naming so, Sid Hartman. Yeah. Uh, number two, he leaves the cliffhanger. Was it the last one ever? Uh, number three, he sprinkles in all of his clever little, like, uh, PJ Fleck shots yeah. without putting PJ Fleck at the table, and then I think the the other level of genius as a left leaning sports writer, instead of doing the obvious, which is put Donald Trump, Trump at the yeah. table, he takes the shot at Mike Pence instead for <laughs> going right. for putting on the charade going to the Colts game, yeah. and yeah, so it was awesome. Yeah, very good. Um, um, I hope it's not the last one though. It yeah. did. It did have that feeling. It, I'm I'm with you on that. It well, that, when you give it, it to yourself and you're 40 and. I don't know. It just sort of felt like he was putting a bow on it, but maybe I'm wrong. Hope the, so. The Sid, the Sid shots though, yeah, were, that was great. were spectacular. Yeah. And it's true. What's Sid's I reaction con- going to be? I can confirm. <laughs> Sid uses the walker as a weapon. Oh yeah. I have never seen. I have never seen a geriatric before carry <laughs> carry a walker. I'm not saying use the walker. Sidney carries the walker. He pins people against the wall with well, it. And, and then in press conferences, he starts to hit people with it to move them out. The best is, uh, so I go to Flex press conferences every Tuesday, and you know Sid always has to get the gopher coach after his press conference. That's just kind of the standard thing. He's done it for probably 50 years. But um, So Flex get done, gets done and leaves, and Sid just jumps up and bolts on after him. <laughs> then his nurse carries his walker by. <laughs> he, at the Wolves Magic game on Wednesday, he had the poor nurse sitting on what looked like a carton in the corner where she couldn't see the court because they didn't they, they couldn't clear room for her at the press table. So his assistant had to go sit on like a carton on the floor away from the court and couldn't see. It's amazing. And it didn't really bother him at all, I don't think. Not one bit. No. He's gonna, he's gonna uh, get, let's go. Jim, you mentioned Gopher Press. We have three or four minutes left here. Uh, Gophers, Wisconsin. Yeah, there's a game this year. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 So uh, your thoughts on, so P.J. Fleck gets a contract extension, and if you're anti-P.J. Fleck, that yeah. drove you crazy. If you're pro-P.J. Fleck, it's it's for recruiting, right? Yeah. So what are you, your thoughts on the season and uh, and even on the, do you think P.J. Fleck took a phone call from like some other big school and that's why the extension happened? It was Odd well, timing, it would seem. Yeah, my my guess is some some schools called. I, I don't know who, um, but that would be my guess. The the extension, it's one year. The buyout doesn't change. It's just the same provisions. Goes up fifty thousand dollar raise. It, it, you know, if it helps with, uh, with uh, appearances for recruiting, it, you know, it, it's not a big deal to me. Um, yeah, I'm writing to Colin for tomorrow, and and, and I know you know talking to people. There's some people think this season is just an abject failure. Um, it's okay. To be in the middle and say, you know what, let's have a little patience. He hasn't recruited as a full class yet. He's been here one year. Show some patience while also saying, you know what, this has been a disappointment yes. this year. And to me, and I, I think I've talked about it with you guys before, that Maryland and Purdue game just really st- still kind of stick in my craw. Um, Maryland, you were flat. You looked like you had no focus. The first kickoff goes out of bounds. You have two kickoffs go out of bounds. You don't tackle well. You just weren't in it. Mm-hmm. They come out of the bye, and that sort of bugs me. And then the Purdue game, you're leading with a minute to go, and your defense just basically folds, and, and you get beat. 
and neither one of those teams has have has a winning record. And last week was uh and so you no show. There were two games, and that last week was it just left a bad taste. And I know that the, the turnovers were to blame. You didn't give yourself a chance, but it just seemed like that team was checked out. Like they didn't have any fight in them. It just I don't know. It just kind of bugged me. And so yeah, it's it's disappointing because if you win one or two of those those games, the Maryland Purdue, I think we're we're looking at this differently because you're bowl eligible. Um, you know, you have you're, you're going to win six or seven games, and and you just feel differently about you do now where you're going to this Wisconsin game and everybody in town just assumes you're just going to get slaughtered. And so it's okay to be disappointed with this, but just, and also say, you know what, give them some time. And the most important thing, you got to find someone who can throw the football. You need a I mean, you've got to find but I, hope. Hope comes, hope starts with a quarterback. I will say this. I pin more on the wide receivers than Demery Croft the last couple weeks. I mean, they, they do not have Big Ten wide receivers. It yeah, is, and you've got it's a, not even close. You've got a nine-foot-tall tight end who you can't even really use in the offense either. Their wide receiver core, they're they're playing guys that are not ready. I mean, they have a they, look at their two deep today or going to this game. It is not, that's not going to work. I mean, mm-hmm. that area more than any other area on this team has to be addressed in recruiting. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, happy Black Chip Friday. Chip. Yeah, Good stuff, yeah. man. Happy Thanks for having me in. Uh, you guys are working. We'll see if uh, if John Gruden Someone's can uh, finalize today. the 10-year deal with the uh, volunteers here. I, Dan Mullen, that seems to be the name. And I'd be happy with that. If it's Dan Mullen, I'll be, ex- I'll be ecstatic. Ecstatic? Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. You heard it there? We'll sign him up I'm for you. September 22nd, I'm taking you guys with me. Tennessee, Florida. We're going. We're doing a show from down there. Oh, that's I'm a buying September the game next year. Then all right. Is it usually early in the year? The, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we're in. I mean, who knows if we're going to have a show or not? But we're in. We're, <laughs> yeah, that's right. To our show from home. down there. Yeah, we'll see. Right. Make yeah. it simple. Uh, Mackie and Judd live on this Black Friday. A ton of Viking stuff. Almost wall to wall Vikings. But let's come back with our write that down predictions. I got a couple Vikings wins in here. Assuming Judd has at least one uh, as well. And uh, accountability session. Mackie and Judd live until one o'clock.